The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to The Fighter versus The Rider. I'm Damon Martin, your host as always. And today I'm joined uh, by a man who uh, is partially responsible for actually giving me a career in mixed martial arts. Uh, going back many, many years, uh, one of my first interactions with a fighter was when I used to call into Ryan Bennett's MMA Weekly uh, radio show called Sound Off. And he was having a co-host competition once upon a time. And I was one of the finalists. And the other guy, who was another finalist, who ended up winning the competition for obvious reasons... Uh, is my guest today and a guy who kind of introduced me to the world of mixed martial arts media through that contest. And then from there, I ended up working with MMA Weekly and gone on and done stuff since then. So today, I am very happy, uh, very happy to welcome in my good friend, UFC Hall of Famer, legend in his own right, Frank Trigg. Trigg, what's going on? Hey, man, you would have found your own way to MMA. That had nothing to do with me. I just had to be the, that no, one I, thing, but if it wasn't that thing. You would have found your way there easy. I mean, look how good you are. Look how, look how long you've been with it. It's yeah. so crazy. It's so crazy thinking back about like in those days when there was no job in MMA, like you were not getting paid to cover this sport. You were just doing it because you loved the sport. But I remember calling into Ryan's show and like when he did that co's contest, like it was just so much fun. Like I had no intention of it being a career at that point. I just loved the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how, isn't it how it's supposed to be though? Aren't you supposed to be doing something for a job that you love? Isn't exactly. that the whole goal? Like why, like for everyone that talks about, oh, I'm doing this job, but I can't stand it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. At least to us, it doesn't make any sense. You do what you love. And what we love is MMA, so we're around it all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, to this day, and I, I mean no offense to anyone out there doing their thing. A lot of people do great podcasts, of course. Uh, my coworker, Errol Hawani, hosts a phenomenal show in his own right. 
But I think what you and what you and Ryan did with Sound All back in the day, like you guys set the gold standard for what would become, you know, the podcasting industry at the time it was just called radio. But you know, I like so you yeah. you guys had some of the wildest shows. Like I still tell people the story about like Joe Silva calling into the show, or like the Nick Diaz Joe Riggs hospital story. They're both calling in and like. These are things, let's be honest, these things would never happen today. In like 2022 in the fight industry, that that would never happen today. But back then, it was such a special time. It's a little weird. Like, I think a lot of the stuff still would have happened. I mean, because now you have, you know, Conor McGregor and the Kobe Covingtons. And so it's, and the the Mazadals are still kind of doing that same kind of set. Like, didn't you see this thing with Mazadal? I don't know what it was, but I saw it for the first time myself maybe a week ago. It could have been five years ago. I don't know because I don't pay attention. But he, like, some guy was taunting him in the crowd the whole night. You know, he was in an event. He was in a fight event. The guy kept taunting him. And finally, Mazadal turned up and wanted to fight the guy. You're like, that stuff still goes on. There's, There's still that angst within MMA that goes on. It's just, it's, it's out before it hits the podcast. Like, and now it's, it's like, because of like TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, we have it right now. Like I watched Don Fry punch that guy in the mouth. I was sitting right there when it happened. I, I was, I was just had to be turned around. I was in my seat. Um, I turned around, I looked and like, I think, Don oh yeah, he did punch the guy in the mouth. And by the time I got, by the time the event was over, and by the time I was driving home, my wife, who's a timekeeper that night, was like, hey, did you see Don Fry punch this guy? I'm like, yeah, I actually saw it. She goes, oh, it's already on social media. <laughs> so like, people that filmed it already put it up. So like, now it's the gratification is very much quicker as opposed to when you had to be there before. Like, you had to be there. When, when Riggs and, and uh, Diaz went after it, you had to be there. Otherwise, you didn't know about it. Like, you didn't know about it for, like, a month, a month and a half. And so everything's kind of changed. But a lot of that stuff still goes down. A lot of stuff is still, that craziness is still... A part of the sport, it just kind of, you know, it's kind of, kind of how, how the sport came about and it's still there. I'll never forget uh, when I first started working uh, with Ryan and the crew back in the day, they didn't, they didn't air the prelims. Like the prelims were not, you could not see them. You had to be there to get the results. Yeah. And so I was updating uh, the, the website MMA weekly at the time. And I updated the prelims. And then me and my friends went out to like, uh, like a you know, BW threes or something to watch the event. And they ended up showing one of the prelims on the pay-per-view and so, like, we had these guys around us, and they're like, does anyone want to bet on the fights? Well, I already knew who won the fight, so I bet the guys our dinner because I already knew the result. And, of course, I was right. They bought our dinner. I kind of felt bad for a minute, but I was like, all right, well, if you guys want to bet, I was like, I already know this. I already know who won. But, like, they didn't – back in the day, they didn't say that. They didn't say this fight happened earlier in the night. They're like, next fight up, and it was, like, one of the prelims. So I was like, uh, you guys want to bet on this fight? Sure, let's bet on that fight. <laughs> and that, you know, to be honest with you, you never feel bad about being a guy at their own at their own game because that guy was like – he was into the sport. He knew everything. He knew everybody. He knew how that fight was to go and you're like yeah but i didn't know the results so i'm just gonna <laughs> all right Th- thanks for my 55 dollar meal i appreciate you <laughs> yeah i got a free dinner that night got a free dinner that night so yeah. uh trick you're always so busy and it's funny because you know when we get like in social media world like you see what people are doing and, and you and i are actually friends on facebook so i see your post pop up yeah. So it feels like I'm staying in better touch with you than I am, which I, I probably should stay in better contact than I do, but I see what you've got going on and all the things you're doing. And recently, uh, a show that I'm watching and actually recapping, and I love watching the book of Boba Fett, the Star Wars spinoff. And I saw you posting on Facebook about, you know, doing some stuff. And then I watched the credits 
in yeah. the show, and there it is, Frank Trigg. So I know you've been doing stunt yeah. work. You've been doing a lot of acting stuff, you know, in the last few years. How did how did the Book of Boba Fett come along? Uh, JJ Dashna, um, the Dashna family is very big in the stunt community. Um, their father Jeff, and then all the kids are all stunt stunt coordinators and stunt men. Um, you, you've seen them. Any action film, you ever watched an action film, you've seen one of the Dashna boys uh, work. Um, the most famous one is probably JJ when he went down in, in Lone Survivor, that big hill fall. And oh, yeah. all, all the guys going down the hill, and the one guy that smacks his back on a tree and goes down, goes down, hits the tree backwards, and bows, scorpions around where his feet touch the back of his head and wraps around with that's JJ. Like that's that's his gig. Um, we've been friends for a while. We worked together on a couple of different shows, NCSLA being one of them with uh, Troy Brown. And he just called me. It was like, hey, I need a big, thick, strong guy that can play this character. Um, I can't have you take off to go judge. I can't take, take off to go ref. I need you for 10 months. Like, I got to have you in town for 10 months because it's a run. It's called being on a run of the show. So from the very beginning to the very end, I'm on the show. So I was like, yeah, I'm totally available. And then went in for the fittings and went to Legacy and got the helmet put together and got the suit put together and got measured. And then all of a sudden I'm just on the show. And it's, it's just, honestly, it's like in the stunt world uh, and in the acting world, in entertainment, you can be one of the best actors. Like, I can't even tell you how many people I've, I've talked to that have come out like Juilliard in New York City and been like, oh yeah, this person's like the best actor I've ever seen in my entire life. They're amazing. And they're like off, 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 off Broadway in the alley doing a one-man show on some skit because they didn't get the right opportunity or the right timing. I just had to be in the right spot at the right time. I answered my phone, my phone right. And that's what I got on the show. I mean, to be all honestly, that is it. There are a bunch of guys who are just as good as me, if not better, as stuntmen. There are a bunch of guys who are as good as me, if not better, as actors that just didn't get the phone call. I got the phone call. I was available. I passed through production. They liked what they saw, and they brought me in. And that, that's basically what happened. And that is really it. Now, once you get there, you got to do the job, obviously. Like you got to be able to be able to hang on and do everything. But it's I, that's I, I would love to say, oh, it's this whole... I went to American Idol and I sang my ass off and I went through the voice and I got through and I made the final two and it was me and this other guy. We made the cut. We're the Gamorians, but that's not how it worked. Like we got the phone call. I got brought in. I did my job. And that, that's really, that's honestly how it is. And, and I was so grateful that JJ Dashnell called me. I am so grateful he gave me that call because my friends work on the show. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I grew up on it. This is, this is a very big deal for me to be on the show. Like you don't understand like this for me personally, it's a huge deal to be a part of the Star Wars universe. And I'm working on trying to be, um, trying to get a part in, a, in the Marvel universe now as well, to be able to hit that, that mark. And when you get on these shows, you got to be able to show that you can do the job too. And so when I got there, I did the job. And, and because of that, my name gets out a little bit and people want to hire me now. And, and now the show is airing. And don't give me the spoilers because I haven't seen episode five yet. I'm still, <laughs> Jill, Jill and I wait till at night we have dinner and we watch it at night where um, Colin Himes, who plays the other Gamorrean, uh, watches it at midnight when it drops on the, on the West Coast because we both live in L.A., so when it, it drops here at midnight, he has a party at his house every Wednesday morning at, at midnight, and they sit down and they watch and they go through it. So he's already told me, like, what he thought of the episode. I'll watch it tonight, and then and then actually pretty much we get off this, I'm going to cook dinner, and then we'll sit down and watch it. So yeah. it's, it's like, it's, it's one of those deals, but it's also like you get in there and you're like, this is kind of surreal, man. Like, oh, I remember that take. Oh, that was take five. Oh, I get it. I get where Robert Rodriguez is going with this. I get where, where Filoni, I get where Favreau is going with this now. Because he used the fifth take, not the seventh take. I totally understand it. I see where they're going and kind of get that, that familiarity with it. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Because it was, uh, it's, it, it's, uh, it still kind of surreal, even though we're done and wrapped and we stopped filming back in May and now we're just watching the show. I'm still like, 
I'm on Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> Uh, for a lot of people that don't know, like one thing I love about Star Wars and I love about what John Favreau did with the Mandalorian, and I assume they're doing you know a lot of the same on the Book of Boba Fett, is they use a lot of practical effects. They're not doing a ton of CGI. I mean, of course, you're doing explosions and, and you know you're doing some like you know flying and things. You're not actually flying, but like they do a lot of practical effects with the creatures. That was kind of coming from the George Lucas school early in the Star Wars days. Um, so when I saw your credits that like for anyone that like you're in the suit, like that's not you just yeah. acting in like, you know, the green screen, that's you in a suit. No, I'm in that. I'm, it was in that suit. I'd get two set usually about. So a normal day, five thirty, five o'clock alarm goes off. I get up, uh, I make coffee for my wife and I, I put hers in the, in the refrigerator cause she likes iced coffee. I take mine hot. Um, I pack my bag, my stunt kit, make sure I got everything I need for my stunts for that day, whatever, whatever entails, uh, get on my body. I'm usually out the door by about six, six fifteen. you know, after a little stretch, a little, you know, a little aerobics in the house. And then I go drive down to the studio. I'm usually there about six thirty, six forty-five. eat a little breakfast, call times at seven. I'm in that suit by seven twenty, seven thirty in the morning. And I'm in that suit until eight o'clock, eight thirty at night. I'm in, I'm in that swamp suit. It's just in it. There's no way out of it. It's just like, I need, I have a, uh, I understand why um, uh, in England back in the, you know, the turn of the century that they had all these ballots that were in there helping people get dressed, helping the wealthy get dressed because I had, I had four ballots every day helping me get dressed every single day. There was four of the people in that room getting me dressed. I'd be in my, my spandex and my rash guard for underneath the suit and they'd have to put me in the suit. And it was a, it was an ordeal. Every time I have to get in it, I have to have me help me get out of it. And it was a long thing. And like, when you say like being in the suit, we are in that damn suit and it is hot and these things have no air and like we're begging for breaks and it's like, it's miserable. But then you remember at the end of the day, you don't book a Boba Fett, shut up. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm on my about it. Yeah, this is really hot. I'm on book a Boba Fett, who really cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Like there's literally, I can name like 10 guys on top of my head that want to be in that suit. Right. They want to be in that suit with me, complaining and, you know, being outside. And we're not back lots. We're outside in the sun and the, and the walls are high because you have to keep it. So it all matches and you got blue screens and green screens and all this stuff going on. And, and there's no wind and you're in this suit in the sun. And you're just like, OK, and there's there's photos of me with an, holding an umbrella <laughs> sitting on an apple box, drink, drinking through a straw with my helmet on with this big, long ass straw. So it goes through the mouth so I can get into my mouth. And I'm sitting there with a with a with a, a little girly parasol. And it's funny as hell, but it's like, oh yeah, I remember that day. It was it was seventy five degrees outside, but no wind. It was like ninety five degrees inside the suit. You're like, oh, this sucks. It was it was a sauna suit every day. So yeah. but it was fun, it was fun, yeah. And, and every and I'm just one creature. Think of the Jawas, you know. Th think of the Tuscans. They're all in those suits too. They're all in those outfits all day. Once you get set into it, you are in it until we wrap that night. And some of those people were there. Shoot, I was there eight months. They were there, some of them were there 10 months, longer. You know, in those suits every day, that was their job. Every day being in that suit. You're like, okay. And so it's like, it's but, but it's fun. There's no way around it, it's fun. Yeah, now you're acting, but you're also doing stunts. So I want to ask you, this is not a big spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen the show, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm curious because I think it was the fourth episode or the third episode, I don't care which one, but there's a pretty big battle scene with Boba Fett and uh, Black Chrysanthemum, the big Wookiee, yeah. the big the, you know, big Wookiee, and then the Gamorreans get involved. And immediately I was like, hey, Trey's one of those Gamorreans. Yeah. So are you, I assume you're doing all that, right? Like you're doing the stunts on top of just doing the regular stuff, right? 
Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, we do it all. So it, it's a weird category because you have like stunts and you have acting and you have action performing. So in this particular case, I was an actor, I was an actor performing, right? So basically what I did is, is that I am, it, it's a little strange just because the way they do the crediting, I'm the, I'm the actor, but I'm also the stunt double. So a lot of active performers would be that guy that have like the eight, 10 lines They might have one monologue and they get their head blown off. <laughs> eight, 10 lines in some movie and all of a sudden they get shot. That's like your action performer. He's a stunt guy that can also act. We're action performers. So we can come in and we can do the stunts, but we're also going to act at the same time. And so I was very blessed to be in that, in that little position. And to be honest with you, some days you're like, man, I, I wish we could just get to some action. And then some days you're like, I wish we just get back to talking. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> This day just sucks. Like that that fight day, it was when we set up that scene to fight. It was spread out over about three weeks, um, over how we how it had to be cut, it had to be edited, and how things had to be done. And that fight scene is probably one of the most grueling, tough, super hard fight scenes I've ever done. And if it wasn't for Craig Johnson, the stunt double for Black Australian, if it wasn't for Craig, it would have been impossible for me to get that thing done. He had to do some real, because he's so big, like they're so big. And you're, the way you do stuff with somebody that, that, that is that much larger than you, height-wise, that to make it work for camera, he had to do a lot of different stuff. And he really saved it for us. Like he really, he really put it together. Craig Johnson really did it so it made the scene look great at the end of the day. Because he had to carry, he literally had to carry me in some of these, in some of these parts. Like he had to carry me in different parts to make it look like we were struggling with fighting, but he was actually holding me and holding me up and carrying me to make it, to make the camera angle look right. Like it, this is how it had to work. So it was like, it's, it was a really epic scene. It was super, super, super hot to do. And I'm super happy the way it came out. Like I really liked the way it came out. I wish it was longer. I wish they showed more because we did so many takes. I wish they had like stretched it a little bit more, even more time on air. But you know, that's, that's just the way the editing goes. You know, it was, it was pretty. It was pretty epic though. That whole thing, man. I was yeah. watching that like that. My eyes were wide that entire scene. It was a pretty crazy scene. Even for even yeah. even whatever they cut out of it, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, there's there's a bunch more that they could have used, and they just decided to shut it down for for filming purposes. But it's like, dude, that's just. So I'm hoping there's gonna be like some new release of extended version of everything that's i'm hoping like oh yeah i got i got to put that so yeah now i've uh you know in in recent years i've had the chance to attend uh several san diego comic cons as media and i get to go to a lot of media rooms like the roundtable rooms and i've had a chance to interview you know jamie lee curtis and and uh you know and and, you know the actors from the walking dead and and things like this and I, you know, as I've been doing, I mean, I've sat in a room alone to interviewing guys like Conor McGregor and, and Ronda Rousey for years and all these kind of things. But, you know, actors, I get, I'll admit, I get a little more nervous because, you know, they're, you know, celebrities. And so, but when I'm in the room, when I'm in the room, I'm totally professional. I don't geek out. I don't, you know, during, but inside I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, I'm sitting here talking to Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, you just mentioned you're a huge Star Wars fan. You're sitting there, and I'm sure John Favreau's on set. I'm sure Tamora Morrison, who plays Boba Fett, yeah. you know, all these different people. Like inside, do you get to geek out a little bit when you're working with some of these people? So Tem and Ming Na are huge fight fans, <laughs> and so when I show up on set, and I'm like, hey, uh, 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 just want to say, I, I, I really, like, really like your work. <laughs> He's like, Oh, Frank Trick, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, Oh my God, what? What, what I do? What I do? He's like, oh, you fight this and you fight that. Oh my gosh, I've watched you all about this. You're like, holy crap, but like, these guys are fight fans. Like, this is so, it breaks the ice because now we have even ground to talk. Right? And you get to know them and you're hanging out with them and we're, we're together sometimes, you know, 14, 15 hours a day, you know, for weeks on end. 
you get to know you get to know people. You get to know the personalities. You get to know when they're tired and they're hungry and they're complaining and things aren't working right. You get to know what these people are like, and like as human beings. You're like, oh, oh yeah, he he's just the same dude. He's just the same dude as I am. There's a guy from New Zealand trying to make it in this world. All he's trying to do, all he is trying to do is get a body of work put together, pay his bills, and this is what he's doing. And he's just amazing at what he does. And same thing with me now. Like, you forget, she she was, I mean, I can't even name this, the crap she's done. I worked with her on uh, in uh, uh, Ains of Shield, and that's how we knew each other. So we kept in contact, just, you know, loosely through social media or whatever. When I got the part, I hit her up, and we came in, and we worked together. And But she's also Milan, Right. And then she, she's, she's been in everything. Like, she's done everything, right? So this body of work that she's put together, and you kind of forget, you're like, because you're geeked out. You're like, no, I got, I got a daughter and a husband. I got to go home. We got family stuff we got to handle this weekend. We got things going on. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, you're a real human being. Like, I kind of forget this. Okay, all right, all right. See you on Monday. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, in the beginning, yes, absolutely nerded out. But now I'm talking about Comic-Cons. Uh, the Gamorans, I'm hoping, will be... Uh, what, what's the big Comic Con one in May in Anaheim for Star Wars? Oh, uh, Wonder, Wonder, oh, the the D twenty three is that the one you're talking? Are you talking about WonderCon? WonderCon's oh, no. in WonderCon's in Anaheim, and then D twenty three. I think what's, is the, in what's the one in May? It's like the end of May. That is WonderCon. That's the one. Okay, in Anaheim. so we're so we're trying to get into WonderCon. We have to get approved. So Disney has to approve us to be there, but we're supposed to be there as the morning. The Green Guard's supposed to be there with Ming and with Tam. Um, in, a, in like a panel or whatever. That, that's what they're trying. That's the hope that we're trying to get together. So hopefully I'll be doing, that'll be the first Comic-Con I'll be in and we'll hopefully that'll, that'll you know, push into other things and and start going to Europe to go to the Comic-Cons and doing all that stuff. And, you know, they already got Lego pieces out. They've already got, what's those, the ones, the big square bobbleheads? Oh, the uh, Funko oh, Pops, the Pops. Yeah, Funko Funko, Pops. Yeah. yeah, they already got those being made, but they were they were made for season two of Mandalorian. Those are, those are different characters. We're hoping they're gonna make new ones for us, but we'll see. You know, this is this is all up in the air. But it's it's like when you're like talking to Jamie Lee Curtis, then imagine being around her for three weeks every day for 12 hours. You're like, yeah, you interviewed her for an hour, let's say, you you get a you get a piece of her talking, right? You know, she's giving you answers and you're talking about whatever she's doing with Halloween and that kind of thing. And then and then now all of a sudden you get to hang out with her for three weeks, you're like, oh, this is a this is like a totally different aspect. This is a totally different thing because you get to talk story. All of a sudden, now you're talking about different things that happen in different shows and working for different directors and working for different story coordinators. And, and all of a sudden, you get like insight and you see how everything starts to expand and, and you get to see how they, the reason why they do what they do and how do they approach this particular character or creature? Like, how do they approach it? You're like, oh, wow, like, I just learned a whole new thing of how to do this. And then don't get me started on talking to, to and hey, thanks, just in passing. Thanks for Chef, man. My wife and I watch it. Learned all about pasta water. Totally changed my game last night. Oh, all of a sudden he lights up and he wants to talk about food. Like, <laughs> like, we're, we're not filming. Like, we're, we're not filming for 45 minutes because we're talking about grilled cheese sandwiches, right? I'm making those grilled cheese sandwiches tonight for dinner. But that's what I'm making tonight for dinner is that with, with a little bit of um, uh, coconut curry soup. Like, that's what I'm making is from that from that episode of learning how to make of learning how to make his grilled cheese sandwiches with Roy. This is what I'm doing. And we it just all started because I was like, hey, hey, Thanks for the pasta water. It kind of helped my sauce a little bit. Oh, you got to try this. You got to try. Like he gets lit up. So all of a sudden you realize these people have other things. You just think of them as one deal. You know, you think like O'Connor and, and Ronda Rousey only have one thing. They're just fighters. And I was saying like, oh, well, no, no, she's mom. And she's a WWE star. 
and and she's got a farm and she's got she's raising uh is it kobe or wagyu beef like you see like oh wow they have other things going on it really expands your mind a little bit when you get to hang out with them a little bit more you're like oh wow this is a whole new realm i never even thought about it. i didn't even think about this stuff i see you on tv i think i know you i don't know yeah. you i don't know you at all like now I'm, le- I'm learning now now i'm learning about it so it's a totally different ballgame it's funny that's how i became buddies uh donald logue who's an actor he was on gotham and he's in a lot of stuff yeah. Uh, he's a big fight fan. So we became buddies yeah. through that. And I saw him at Comic-Con one year and, uh, we ended up chatting and I went over and I was hanging out with the, the cast of Gotham and we were just sitting there. The, whole, the entire cast was like questioning me about the fights. Cause the fights have been the night before. Yeah. And so they're like, Oh, do you know this guy? And like, Oh, have you covered this? And I'm just like, how am I, how did I turn into the guy you want to talk to? Like, I know about <laughs> fights, but it was so funny. Like the whole cast knew UFC and they were like, Oh yeah, we watched yeah. the fights last night in our room and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it was just so crazy. Like, you kind of forget, like you said, like these guys were all big fight fans. So like, then they were questioning me. They're like, Oh, do you know this guy? And have you covered this guy? And I'm just like, I was like, I'm like freaking in all of you people right now. This is awesome. So yeah, it it is like, you was the, Donald was the the partner, right? In Gotham. He was the, yes. uh, Yes. Yep. Okay. So, so he's the reason why I got on Stumptown. Oh, really? I had a a stunt job on Stumptown because he was playing a part of Stumptown. He's playing a, uh, detective that kept running around in Stumptown, he brought me. He's like, "Oh yeah, we need to bring Trigger." Because I, I saw him at I saw him at a bell tour, and we exchanged phone numbers, and he brings me in. I'm like, "So this is this is like how it works. Like this is how the real world works that you don't even think about. You're like, oh yeah, like you go meet somebody, talk about fights. All of a sudden, you got a job, you got a day, you got a, you got a day job on this one show, this one time. Like this is this is how these things go. And, and what a sweet man. Like you know, it's, it's incredible to have these kind of things running around, uh, and for you to go into like, I'm a little nervous. I got to talk to all these guys from Gotham. I got one guy I know and the rest of the cast I don't really know. I kind of, I know them because I watch the show, but I don't know them. And they're like, so Damon, what happened last night? What's the main event? Like, you can't believe that actually happened. And what do you think about this? What do you think about this? You're like, dude, I, I got to interview you. I'm like, they're going to kick me out of here like an hour. Like, I got to get an interview. Can we get to my thing, please? So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's because I was, that's how I, be, I became friends with Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy. Same kind of yeah. thing. We became buddies because he's a big fight fan. He came on my yeah. podcast a couple of times, we exchanged numbers, and I saw him at Comic-Con. And, like, again, he didn't want to talk about Sons of Anarchy. He wanted to talk about the fights. Oh. So he's like, let's talk about the fights. And then, like, again, you find out how many people are fight fans. So it's a weird thing, and it's kind of cool, like, how yeah. that you kind of make that all connection. Uh, and I mentioned, and we've been talking a lot about Book of Boba Fett, but for anyone that hasn't been following, like, you've been in a ton of stuff. Like, I know you do Magnum P.I., you do Hawaii Five-O. Uh, I had your IMDb page, uh, your IMDb page pulled up, and it's just littered with all the stunt work, all the different things you've been doing. So you've been very, very busy. Yeah, I've been, I've been really lucky, man. It's been it's been a, it's been a long road. Don't think that you walk into stunts. You know, I went jumped into it about ten years ago, and you, you think that oh, he walked in all of a sudden, you're working full time. Like you get a day here, you get like you know two days a month, three days a month. And you're like you're hoping to scratch enough together to kind of keep a job, you know, and then you always have to have other work too. And then it starts picking up and you get on runs. You're like, oh, I, I had like three good months of work. And obviously you don't work for four months. You know, it's very hard. So like for actors, like let's take like um, a Tom Cruise. Let's take a Tom Cruise, right? A, a super high level A-lister, you know, like a, like a, a, a Denzel Washington. You know, these guys have these huge ramps. They work really hard for six months. And they might not have anything for four or five months. They work really hard for six months. They don't work, you know, for four or five months because they've just done these projects and they're in the next one, ramping up the next project. So they have like these big, super high ebbs and flows where stunt guys, their flows are a little bit less, right? Where we'll have a run for like three or four months and we'll work for like a week and have a run for like three or four months. You don't have work. But when you first begin, 
you get like one day. And then three weeks later, you get one day. And then a month later, you get one day. You're like, Jesus, like, I'm never going to make any money at this. Like, this is not going to work for me. Like, I don't know how to, how to function on one day of work, three days of work a, a month. Like, I, gotta ha- I have to have other full, I have another full-time job doing something else. So I can make my bills pay. And then you get on that run. You're like, okay, and I got to make a decision. What, what do I do? What do I do? So a true story. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I talk about uh, Brennan Wayne. He's John Wayne's grandson, but he is the, he is the guy in the Mandalorian suit. He is the Mandalorian, right? Pablo, when the head comes off in the voice, Brennan is the guy that walks around, does all the action, gave Grogu the, the, the ball in, in the in the season one. Like, this is all, that's all Brennan. Brennan would work 13, 14 hour days, Monday through Friday, on Mandalorian, season one, season two. And then on the weekends, would go bartend at the Lobster in Santa Monica. And you're like, Brennan, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know when this is going to end. I don't know when this is going to end for me. So I got to keep money going in. If I stop working at the lobster, that's my backup money. That's my, that's my job. So when I don't have acting days, I pick up a Tuesday night, I pick up a Thursday night, but if I'm working, then I just work, you know, uh, a Friday night, Saturday, night, Sunday day. Like that's my job. And it's, you'd be amazed at how many high level actors until like very recently were working other full-time jobs doing other things because they have to, to, to make, to make the, your ends meet, to make your bills meet. Then you get on these runs, you're like, okay. So you look at my MDB, I have, a, I have a crap ton of credits, but a lot of them have happened within the last three, four years, right? That's the majority of my body of work is the last three, four years because that's when I started getting real work. And I'm actually talking about Magnum PI. I, actually, I was supposed to leave today to go to Hawaii to go work on Magnum PI. It's been pushed because they've had a really severe COVID outbreak on, on the island of Oahu. So they've had a push production. So I'm not going out until the first week of February, but things are still going to happen. It just gets pushed. So I'm, let's say I'm writing on that. Say I'm living paycheck to paycheck still. I'm writing on that work to happen from today for two weeks. Now it's been pushed by two weeks. What do I do? I'm stuck. Well, lucky for me, I got another show that I was able to make a couple phone calls. And I'm getting picked up next week to work on something else. A lot of guys can't do that. And so it, it's very hard. Like anything else, when you first got into to, to, to MMA journalism, it wasn't easy when you first got in. You had a, you had a people like, who's Stephen Martin? Why is he calling? Click. Who's it? Ignore 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 i don't know this guy now people are like oh damn it hey damn what's going on and like oh it rang i don't even know it rang or what the hell like oh i saw your name come on i had to pick it up like now it's changed because you've been doing it for so long that now you have this body of work that everybody wants to be a part of They're like okay let me be a part of it. it's 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 still how it is and everything else it is how it is here too right? it's that same piece and there's a lot of stuff in there in my body of work i'm like don't watch it <laughs> don't don't look at me like don't see the show watch the show Watch the movie. Don't watch me. Don't look at me. I wasn't doing very good at that point. Like, I wasn't good. Don't do it. Now I'm like, yeah, man, I can't wait. You know, I just, it's just, uh, we came back from Peru, like, maybe six weeks ago, um, filming Transformers. So I can't wait for that to come out at the end of next year. Like, that's going to be another good one. And then, and then, like I said, I'm working on a Marvel one. There's, like, some stuff that in the works. I'm like, my body work. And then, like, you know me, I got to have other jobs. So now I'm starting to produce. So I'm in the middle of casting a film right now that, I bought the script. I've got it approved. I work with a production company. They're like, we love it. We love your ideas. And I go get it casted. You're like, oh, I thought you guys were going to get the actors for me. <laughs> like, no, that's your job. Like, that's why you're, that's why you want to be an EP. You want to be a producer. This is what's going to happen. Go, go get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I got to go talk to actors and try to get them signed up for these films. So it's, it's a constant evolving game of these kind of things. And Man, it's it's fun. I gotta be honest with you, man. I can't I can't deny that how much fun it is and how it's great when you get get a callback from like a rampage or Donald Cerrone and Cowboys like I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, dude. I sent you the script four minutes ago. How the hell you in? 
Don't care, I'm in. It's great. I, I, I read, I, I'm, dude, read it. Read it before you say you're in. There's a little part in there around, you know, uh, 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 page 37, 38 that you might not want to do. So just read it for me. Two days later, still in. <laughs> even with that, even with that scene, still in. Okay, right, that's in. All right, Cabo's going to be a part of it. Perfect. Rampage. Okay, good. Thanks. Now it's like you're starting to get these things casted and trying to get stuff together and trying to pull it. You're like, okay, but then you have to start with that Rolodex. You're like, hey, Thea Rossi, uh, you available in June? <laughs> want to shoot something? Hey, Frank Carrillo, want to shoot something in June? Hey, uh, John Tucker, want to shoot something in June? Like, you guys around? And like, okay, yeah, here's the script. Take a look at it. See what you think. You know, and so it's another thing that you have to kind of push yourself into. It's like, it's just that branching out and trying to be more than, than just being, being, uh, stationary with one thing, you know, because like I said, stunts could go away tomorrow. Like I could never get another phone call again for stunts. Could never get another phone call. And my body work is my body work. I'm stuck. Now what do I do? Got to start all over on something else, you know? So you have to keep, you know, eyeballing and doing stuff and getting stuff put together, you know? Yeah, you mentioned that. Let me just, I'll just name drop him because another great guy you mentioned, it, Jonathan Tucker, great guy. I begin, yeah. same kind of thing, became friends with him through the fight industry. We met at a fight card, a couple of fight cards, and, uh, yeah. incredibly, incredibly good dude. There's another one you mentioned, like, again, same thing to the fight thing. He's a phenomenal yeah. actor, uh, but just such yeah. a good person. Now, that's the guy, like, I've gotten to know kind of like with Donald's, like, you just get to know him. Like, he's just a really, really good person. Um, yeah. and it's just cool to hear those stories, but in all seriousness though, like you've been, you've been, so it's so funny. Like I, I called you about the Mandalorian thing or about the B- Boba Fett thing, but, uh, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been watching like random TV shows or something with my girlfriend and I'll be like, Hey, it's Trig. <laughs> I see you pop up and I, and I know I should yeah. probably text you when this happens, but I'm just like, I'll get another random text from like somebody like, yeah, I'm in that show. But I like, I'll be sitting around and I'll be like, Hey, well, it was all fun. I it know was that. All fun. <laughs> Like I'll get I'll get shameless. Like I'll somebody text me like I'm I'm just watching Shameless. I'm like Shameless is off the air. Like what do you, oh you watched the reruns? Okay, I just saw you. It was Shameless. Like yeah yeah okay. You know it happens all the time. Every night I'll get a blow up or something from somebody, some high school guy I haven't talked to in like 20, 15, 20 years. Dude, I just saw you on this thing. I just saw you on this thing. I'm like yeah I know. Yeah, I'm there. I'm in it. You know, that's awesome. Though, but as as you said, though, you know, there's no guarantees, but to be as busy as you are, that's awesome because you do have a lot of things and you are able to do a lot of things. You mentioned, you know, like you said, you had the other project gets pushed back a couple of weeks, Magnum PI, you're able to book something else. Like that's pretty cool. And you're able to do this because I know stunt work. I'm not going to sit here and profess to say, I know stunt work. I've just talked to stunt people, but I know it's not like a steady industry. It can be not a steady industry. And so the fact that you are so busy that speaks to your work ethic. That speaks to the relationships you build with people. Uh, and again, like they want you to work. That says a lot about what you've been doing. Well, the, the big thing is, is like when, when I was doing stuff on Transformers and doing stuff for like for Book of Boba Fett, for, for JJ, it's very much, like I said, th- there's, there's plenty of guys that are as good as me, if not better, that could do this exact same thing. But I got the phone call because he wants me on set. He wants me to be around him because he can be around me for seven, eight months, 12 hours a day. Do you want to be around a person you don't particularly like, or you have a hard time with? You don't really, they rub you the wrong way on certain things. Like, do you want to be around that person? So a lot of it too is personality driven, where I'm going to be with this guy for a long time. One day you can handle it. One day off, a day job, sure, no problem. A week even, you can kind of handle a person for like a week and just like, you just stay in different places than they are. It's not that big of a deal. But seven, eight months, being a run over a long, long show, being on a run of a long movie, it's very difficult. And you get hired because of your personality and that they also know that they can throw a curveball at you right in the middle of it and you'd be like yep no problem good to go what do you need what do you need where do you need it when do you need it you know and like a lot of that that's what happens in stunts a lot because it's budgetary 
it's it's you get whatever we see these big movies you know uh 250 million dollars right like, oh yeah great so they have this huge budget this huge budget they can do whatever they want right but then most of the stuff you're working on like these tv shows you see on prime time they have a budget as well and it might be i, I don't know i'm making numbers up because i don't know what the numbers are let's let's say it's five hundred thousand dollars an episode hundred thousand dollars an episode well, if some of these get cut, you're not cutting Jay Hernandez's role out. You're not cutting Pretty Weeks out. You're not cutting Zach Knight or Stephen Hill out to make the cast of Magnum P.I. You're cutting stunts out, right? So you go there, you go there, it's all set up, you put your jerk vest on, it's a little vest that goes underneath it, that put a wire on you to make it look like you jump higher or fly further or whatever you do. I put that on, I have that all geared up, I'm ready to go, like, hey, we're, uh, um, you just got to follow the floor now. What? Like, I'm set for this huge gag. Like, this is going to be a big gag. What happened? I'm running out of daylight. We're running out of time. We got to move on. We got to move. On. Okay, all right, all right, boom. And you got to make a shift. And now instead of me getting, you know, getting blasted out of the window in the air, you know, toes touching my hands as I'm flying out backwards through the window, now I'm just hitting the ground. Okay, all right, but you got to make that adjustment. And a lot of people, and I've, I've seen it. A lot of people are like that's not fair. Like I had this whole thing. I just home. Let me go take it off. And I'm like, okay, whatever. We got to get it done. Let's go right now. Let's go right now. I'm ready. Let's go right now. I'm ready. If 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 we're not doing it right now, it's not because of me. It's because of you guys aren't ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So no one's going to wait on me. I'm ready to go. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to wait. The only one I asked for is espresso. <laughs> Give me an espresso. I'll be ready to go. That's all I need. You know, that, that's it. That, but that's part of that is like that personality driven. Do you want to be on a fight team? <coughs> Excuse me. Do you want to be on a fight team where the three heads, three big stars in the room drive you nuts? You can't stand them. Now it might work for you. We walk in like I'm gonna beat that guy up today. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat I'm gonna smash that guy's face. And also I'd be like I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to I don't want that angst. I don't want that deal. I want so it just depends on how you want to run your shows and how you want to run stuff. And it it really is personality driven, you know. And that's what like you go back to Brian Bennett. The reason why everything works so well in MMA Weekly when he was alive is because it was all personality driven. Everybody had a great personality. Everybody loved to work together. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. Everybody knew what the, what the advance was going to be. We need to be the number one news site for MMA. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Let's make this happen. And everybody was on board with it, right? And sometimes you go to some places, you're like, this is all disconjoined. This is all a problem. The director doesn't like the AD. The AD doesn't want to talk to the second AD. The stunt coordinator can't stand anybody. Like, what are we doing? And it's like, okay, this is a bad personality-driven space. I'm in a position now where I'm like, I think I might be busy that day. I don't want to work. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> like, I, just because I literally will call, like uh, today a guy, a guy called me for work next week. Um, I, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, and he called me back. I said, yeah, I got, I got, I need you right now. I need you, I need you. And that made me, made my antenna go up. <clears throat> what happened? Well, there's these scenes we need. There's this fight scene, this driving scene. And the guy we used before that kind of looks like you couldn't do it. We thought he could, he couldn't do it. And then it became a personality conflict. And so we had to release him and let him go. And then we need to reshoot some of the stuff. Can you come in? Oh, yeah, 100% of it. No problem. Who else is on set? Who am I working with? Because <laughs> there's somebody that I don't like. It might be, it's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like everybody that's on there. Let's go work. Let's make this happen. Let's make magic. You know, and that is so a lot of his personality, which is why I'm able to work so much and why I make that phone call and why you're able to make that phone call. I'm like, hey, uh, you got time? You know what? Yeah, let me, uh, let me book this up. Let me, let me tell you this, Damon. You're the only one that gets through to me. Everybody else, oh, yeah, yeah, hold on. Let me get my, my assistance email. Hit her up. She'll get you on my schedule. That's how it works. I don't, I don't do any. I don't schedule my stuff. I don't schedule my, anybody, I don't schedule any of it. She does. I don't do any of it. She handles it. You're like, oh, yeah, I just told her, hey, uh, 
I'm doing this podcast with David. Like, buddy of mine, we're going to just do it. <laughs> that's how it works. Percent driven, right? That's how it works. Like, you know, now people pick up your phone call. Hey, Steve, I'm learning what this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thursday, three o'clock. Okay, it's in. But, you know, realize like the new guys coming in, like the, the new guys, hey, we want to get you on, blah, blah, you want to get you on. Like, if Ariel Hawani had somebody else call me to come into the interview, yeah, I'm not, I'm good. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you got my number. You call me. Why am I dealing with this other person? I don't want to, right? It's just, just me. <laughs> so, like, you get in, right? And other people don't. And other people like pushed off. And like, and people have been trying to get me on to do podcasts for like the last three months. I've done a podcast blackout, complete podcast blackout. I had a bad experience with one podcast. He asked a bunch of questions that I specifically said, You cannot ask me. I will not answer. And I had to politely skip over it. I didn't like bail on. I want to be that guy that ran away from the podcast. I'm like, yeah, baby, I'm a podcast blackout. Like, no more. Let's just blackout. So this is the first one I've done in like three months, four months. I have not done yeah. any at all. Well, not. And because of, I don't want to deal with some of the, some of the extra bullshit. Personality driven. I'll because tell you right now. We're friends. I, I, we like each other. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'll say right now, listen, uh, you are an incredibly busy guy, and I 100% appreciate you doing this, but I will say, Trig, as far back as we go, if I ever text you and say, can you call my assistant? I'd be like, what, really? <laughs> Trig, really? You're going to make me call your assistant? Come on now. <laughs> I will I will say what I, what I have done, especially with a couple of my friends, because I've been like, I'm in the middle of a media blitz. Like for whatever reason, it comes in waves, right? I don't know why. It's not like I'm promoting a particular movie or a particular TV show. Like I'm not that guy. They don't call me. They call on the call sheet. They call one, two, three, four, and five. The guys, the first five people on the call sheet are your stars. Those are the guys you're calling. They're calling me for this stuff. But all of a sudden it comes in waves where like I get inundated with a bunch of stuff. And I will literally go, yes, 100% I'm going to do it. But you got to reach out to Jill because she has my schedule. Give me a second. Now, three-way you in and be like, hey, Joe, I am absolutely doing this podcast. Get him the first available slot. Make this thing happen. I just don't know what my schedule is. Because she has the calendar. She has the calendar. <laughs> she knows the calendar in front. I don't have it. I'm like, I don't want to say yes to you and be like, oh, crap, I'm sorry. I got to reschedule five times, which is what happened. Truth be known, what happened today, I scheduled our time earlier. This is the fans at home. I scheduled this earlier, forgetting I had to be in a production meeting. I'm in a production meeting. David texts me. He's like, did you mean a different time? I was like, fuck. <laughs> totally forgot. <laughs> okay, so let me do it so I get home. I'm so sorry. I totally screwed up. I, totally, I forgot. I don't, you know, I don't always put my calendar together. My, my, I have to look at my calendar to realize what I'm doing. 
I was like, oh, we'll just do it on Wednesday. It's fine, totally fine. We'll just do it. We'll get it I always, uh, I always tell people when you know you're really busy, and I and I truly do mean this. I say this all the time. I say it's when the phone stops ringing. That's when you have to worry. Like when the phone stops ringing, like it's good to be busy, right? Like it's good to have that kind of schedule. It's good that you actually need an assistant to line up your schedule because that means you're busy, you're working, you got things going on. Because it's when the phone stops ringing, that's when you got to worry. Yeah. The hard part is like, um when you like you've seen this last weekend when i was reffing like people wanting you know other other media are there and i'm by media row so i'm kind of you know because i have to walk around do stuff and you'll get people that i don't know and be like hey can i get you for the occasion i'm like dude i i i, I gotta do this thing i can't and then always at the end of the night you're like wow i really was a dick like i, I really blew that guy off i wasn't trying to though i'm trying to collect cards i gotta collect the scorecards to give to andy foster and mark relia so they can put the scores up like i don't i don't have that i gotta do this other job. I don't have time to mess around with this. Hey, let's exchange phone numbers and emails and get this podcast done. So I just, I just like fucking bolted, right? But then Kevin, Kevin Ioli was sitting there. And we talked for a couple minutes, and he'll text me in like a week and be like, "Hey, want to do it?" Like, okay, man. Like, that's what it is. Like these are guys that I know. It's like the people I don't know. I'm like, oh, I feel bad. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I just have it. I apologize. <laughs> now in the it's middle. Funny. In the middle of all you got going on, of course, you have been doing the referee thing for a while. When you popped up at UFC 270 this past yeah. weekend, refereeing some fights, was that just a matter of you had some time to do it, basically? Like, where you actually had, like, a window where you could go in and do some? Because as busy as you are, as much as you're doing... Oh, no, no, no. So, Andy Foster... So, here's the deal. People ask me all the time. Andy Foster, in California, keeps me extremely busy, ref. Extremely busy. I already have eight assignments booked out through April, just for, for California. So, I don't... I'm not licensed in any of those jurisdictions because I'm so busy with everything else. And, and what it comes down to is time and effort, right? How much time and effort can I put myself, you know, can I, how thin can I stretch myself? I can't stretch myself any thinner. So I have to be very cautious about how I do things and what I do. So my deal with Andy is California gets first come first. Serve. They call me for an event. I put them on it, but he also knows I might get called away to have to go do Magnet PI, Book of Boba Fett, you know, you know snatched with Goldie Hawn and, and uh, Amy Schumer. I mean, it called away to do these things, right? I got I got pulled off when I did the library for with uh, Antonio Banderas, it's on Netflix. I got, I got pulled away. Like I had to miss a day of refereeing because I was still on set, I couldn't get away, right? So we have this deal worked out where I am going to ref mainly in California. Now, <clears throat> there's a couple of jurisdictions that they call and ask me to be assigned. I cannot say no. Like, like these other jurisdictions call me, I cannot say no, I will go apply for license there, I will do events there because my friends run the commission. So I'm not gonna say no to them, but I'm not trying to go be everywhere all the time. I just, I'm just too busy to do it. And, and, and this is unfortunate, it's because the pay. There is no referee or judge that just, all they do is ref and judge. Everybody has a full-time job, every single person. I don't care, you name the guy, Goddard, Herzog, Beltran, Bell, Cleary, D'Amato, uh, Crosby, all have jobs. Some jobs doing other stuff. Refereeing and judging in MMA is a hobby that pays money, right? It doesn't pay that much. You don't get paid like boxing officials. It's just, it's just not set up that way. You just don't. So as a result, I have done UFC since when did Cub Swanson fight Brian Ortega? That's it going was, back a few. Yeah, it's going back like four or five years now, I think. Yeah, I've been that, I've been doing UFC since before then. It's not like the UFC is just part when it comes to California. I'm on the UFC. When Belcher comes to California, I'm a, I'm on it. It's just. It's just what it is. Like, I know. I know to clear that date. I am on that show. I know. I, I, don't, I don't get the assignment. 
Again, I haven't been texting, hey, you have the assignment. I just know they'll be attached to it. And, and my wife knows that she's going to be a timekeeper on it. So we just booked that weekend out. We know that we're going to be busy that weekend. This is how it works. And so when people are like, oh, we haven't seen you, you know, oh my God, it's so great to see you on the UFC. You're going to see. Part of me was like, do you guys not watch? Do you not watch? But then I realized I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job in such a fashion that you don't even know. Fight fans, diehard fight fans, don't even know I'm in the cage. I did my job because the job of the referee is not to be seen, not to be heard, not to be in the way. Let the fighters fight. Let them do their let them do their job. And the only time I got to be in there is for fighters' sake. Save fighters from themselves when they think they can continue when they can't, and stop the fouls from happening. That's my job. Stay out of the way of the camera. I don't need to be on camera. I don't need to be any part of it. None of it. None of it. I'm out of it. That is the Mark Ratner theory of refereeing. We're not part of the show. We're just there. So people are like, oh, it's so, you know, it's so great to see you do the pay-per-view. It's so great to have you on the main. Dude, this is not my first one. This is like my third or fourth <laughs> pay-per-view. Third or fourth. Like, I've been doing this for eight years. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, like, this is not something new. Uh, but it, it does make you, you know, at first you get, your ego gets in the way. You're like, come on, much bigger than me. See me in there. And then you're like, no, it's my job. Not to be seen. That's my job. No, it's to be there. I'm not supposed to be around. And people get mad at me. They'll like they'll text me or hit me up on Instagram, DM me like, "Oh, you did this thing wrong or that thing wrong or that thing." I don't respond. I'm like, why don't you respond to any of that? I don't need to. If you want to talk to somebody, talk to Herzog. He will respond to you all day. Uh, Goddard, <laughs> he will respond to you all day, all day long. Those guys respond to you all day long. Talk to them. I don't. It's not my position. My position is going there. I do my job. If I have a problem, the lead inspector and/or the executive officer, Andy Foster, will dress me down in front of everybody. And I have been dressed down. I've had, I have, I have absolutely made a mistake and been walked out of that cage and got dressed out literally at the bottom of the stairs, getting foam spit coming out of the corner of their mouth. Like angry. If I, if I could hit you and get away with it, I would hit you kind of, kind of thing, like getting dressed down. Like, Oh yeah, I really screwed up now. Okay. All right. And then fix it for the next thing. And that's it. Move on. That's it. So like, I don't really listen to anybody else because I got those guys already, already yelling at me. So like you guys, whatever else does the fans say online DMing me, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm not even yell that for this. It doesn't matter. I'm um, kind of moved over, but that, that's kind of kind of the game. That's how it is. Yeah. Keep, keep I, uh, and I'll say, I, I love Andy Foster. Uh, I've called him the gold standard of commissions, executive exactly. directors. I mean, I, I, I again, you know, we because commissions, referees, and judges, in my opinion, like it's the toughest jobs in sport because the times you hear from us, the media, or you hear from the fighters, is somebody complaining. You generally yeah. don't hear from someone like, like you said, when you're in the cage, you do a good job. We don't really think of you because you're just doing your job. Yeah. It's when a referee or a judge, judge makes a bad call or a referee doesn't stop a fight or what. That's when you hear about it because it's a mistake or it's yeah. a perceived mistake. But in all honesty, I think that, you know, Andy Foster's gold standard when it comes to commissions. And I think you've done a phenomenal job as a referee and we've seen other guys. That, and one thing I do enjoy and listen, I think. Guys like Mark Goddard, I think Mark Goddard, you know, is a phenomenal referee. Jason Herzog, phenomenal referee. Uh, Mike Beltran, of course, uh, the Mayan star, Mike Beltran, by the way, speaking of which, is in Mayan MC. Uh, Phenomenal referee. There's a lot of great referees, but I do enjoy seeing more fighters get involved, whether it's refereeing or judging. Again, you've been in there, you know, and I'm not saying you have to because a lot of those guys haven't. But I do like to see guys like you. I knew Chris Lieben did it as well. Uh, We've seen, I know know Shalin Hibero had done it for a little while. I don't know if he is anymore. Uh, but like I, I like I seeing that. Yeah, but I and, like and seeing that. And a lot, of, a lot of people say, "How come not more fighters do it?" And, and so let me let me be very clear: the reason why more fighters don't don't do this job, it's really fucking hard. <laughs> it's really hard 
I mean, this being a referee and a judge, it's really hard and it's thankless and you don't make any money at it. Okay. So if you're like somebody that walks in and you're like, I, I get $150,000 every time I fight or $200,000 every time I fight. And I'm going to, I'm now I'm going to go and I'm going to have to spend two years in the amateur ranks getting my, cause in California, you have to, you have to do a hundred amateur allowed to ask, to ask if you can apply for your pro license. And most of the time, Andy says, no, no, you're not ready yet. You got to do another hundred. So it takes you two years to get to enough. We can go pro. You make a hundred dollars a night at the amateur level, a night. And you'll do probably six, seven, eight. Sometimes I've done, I've done, shit, I've done 13. I've ref 13 bouts at the amateur level in one night. They had 26 fights on the car, two refs. We used to 13. That, it's not for hundred bucks. You're like, <laughs> no, there's no fighter in his right mind. You, you think Chuck Liddell is going to come in and, and, and start to rep or judge for $100 for two years? Like, that doesn't make any sense. He, he, can, he can make that by going to the bar and having people buy him drinks. Why would you go do that unless you really love the job, right? Then you get pushed all the way through. Then, then, then you're at the top of the amateur level. And guess where you go when you go to the pros? You get your first pro shot. Guess where you go? The bottom again. So now you're on the early fight pass the prelim portion of the fight card, you're like, dude, this, this is like, I'm back down to the bottom. And if, unless you are doing a main event or a main event on TV or a pay-per-view, you get paid less than, than the other people. So like you have to get to that pay-per-view number to make a decent wage to be roughing and, and judging. Right. If you're not, if you're not experienced enough there, you have to be down to the bottom. So you start, you go bottom to top, bottom to top again. And the money at the very top, like I said, everybody, every single one of us has a full-time job. Mike Beltran is still an active duty detective in the sheriff's, in the LA Sheriff's Police Department. He is still active. Jason Herzog works for a DOD, a company that works for the DOD. Mike, Be um, uh, Mike Bell works for uh, um, uh, Boeing, works for Boeing. Like these guys, we all have full-time jobs doing other things. This is, this is our weekend hustle. That's what it is. And it's, there's no way any more pro, you know, former pro fighters are going to jump in unless you really love the sport and be around it because it is thankless. And like you said, we don't care until you mess up. But then all of a sudden we want to know what you did, where you did and how bad you are. I want to tell you and let you know, you know, uh, what you look like and how bad it was. And you almost killed that guy and blah, blah, blah. And they go through all these things. And it's like, okay. So like, I think Lehman and I, to be quite honest, I think Lehman and I are probably the end of the, the real, the real pro. The, the, and I don't want to disrespect any other, but I'm talking about the guys that made it to the top of the heap. We were in the big show. We, we had shots to fight for titles. We were in the hunt for the top five. We were doing the game. We're at the, the big side of it. The end of it is leaving or not. There's not going to be any other guys that are going to, they're going to try to ref anymore. <coughs> Matt Dangzik passed John McCarthy's course. Mac did it for like, he, he ref like maybe 13 or 14 bouts as an amateur and never did it again. Like never did it again. Like what happened? I didn't, I didn't like it. It wasn't. Like, yeah, and that's it. So, like, it kind of beats you up and kicks you out. So the top guys, like your your Deans and your Goddards and your Beltrans and your Herzogs are the best because not only time, because they stick through it and they learn and they adapt. And as the sport moves along, we have to move with it. Like, you know, there's new things that happen. This techniques and moves now that never were around in my day. They never were around. We see guys doing stuff like, oh, yeah, that's brand new. Oh, that's cool. You know? <laughs> Like the ref, I the the fight I ref with um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, 
that I refed uh, with Vanessa this weekend. Three or four years ago, that fight would have been done when she hit the ground. That fight would have been done. Flash knockout, done. Fight's over. Right? Fight game has changed. That, flight, that flash knockout isn't the same as it used to be anymore. How does she react? What does she do? We're more knowledgeable about head trauma. So what is she doing? She hits the ground. I immediately, you see me immediately start yelling at, yelling at her. Show me you want to be in this. Show me you want to be in this. She starts moving. She's moving her head. She's moving her hands. She's digging in, looking for an armbar. She's trying to, she's trying to move around. I'm like, oh, okay, she's still there. Before, just when the note done, fight's over. Why are you up? Like, you give me a shot. So we have, we have to adapt too. A lot of people can't do that. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of really good refs couldn't do it. That's why the ref, you already see different refs get changed around. I mean, look how good Keith Peterson is. Keith Peterson is an amazing referee. Amazing referee, right? And he gets one, wasn't it, wasn't it Dominic Cruz or something? Dominic Cruz, yeah. Bottom, he always gets a bad rep. You're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, everything he said is completely incorrect. Like, Dominic just made stuff up just, just because he got mad because he got beat. That's all it came down to. He got mad because he got beat. And so he took it on the referee. Like, hold on a second, man. You bad mouth from this guy. And what happened? We didn't see Keith for a while. Why not? Yeah. He didn't do anything wrong. I think he was right. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, you know, like, that's the game. Like, and Keith came back stronger. Right, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong, but he still took it. He took it as like, okay, I have to be a better referee, so I'll become a better referee. So he became a better referee, and now he's back. You're like, my God, I love watching that guy. I love watching that guy. Really. No nonsense, keep either. Keep Peterson. He comes in there, he's like stoic face, and just like, are you ready? Are you ready? And he's like, just does his job. Like, wow, that's that's the guy you want to emulate. You know, like Beltran, same thing. Herzog, same thing. That's that's the thing you want to emulate. Those guys. And I got lucky because I had McCarthy, Beltran, Herzog, Bell. Every time I ref the amateur level, those were the guys I was always around. So believe me, when I said about getting dressed down, there's nothing scary when John McCarthy's yelling at you. For, <laughs> something, for something stupid. I'm talking about didn't even matter. Didn't even matter. Didn't change the effect of outcome of the fight. The right fighter still won. No one's career was shortened. Nothing happened. The promoter doesn't even care. But John saw it, and that's what counts. John saw it. <laughs> you're like, you're, you're, yes, sir. So, so, sorry. 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 I'm, sorry. <laughs> what the hell, man? I, I didn't even know that thing was wrong. Like, I didn't even know it was wrong. Like, how, was that, how much did we yell at for somebody to even know I did wrong? And now you're in it. So it's like, it's, 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 it's a, it's a weird, weird game. You know, it's a weird game, but it's yeah. fun, man. You get in there, dude. And like, what about I me? Mean, you look at that, that did you, did you think for a moment that Francis was going to wrestle? No, did nobody did. For, nobody did. did for a moment, like a moment, that 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 the co-main event with uh Ferrer and, and Brandon was gonna go was gonna be that crazy, like to the point where we still don't know who the better fighter is between the two of them. They, they, how many times they fought? Three times? Yeah, four times? times. Yeah, three, three times. times. They have a draw and a, and a win a piece, right? Yep. Am I correct in that? Yep. Like we still don't know who the better guy is. Still don't know. But now we gotta see a fourth. You're like, it's incredible. Like you, now, now imagine being the ref in that. Right? You think like, oh, this 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 heavyweight fight's gonna be a striking fight. You know, her is going to be on hand. It's going to be striking. It'll be okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, Francis lost the first two rounds. He lost the first two rounds. Okay. All right. Let's see what happens. Then all of a sudden, third round comes in. He's like, I literally tapped the guy next to me. Did he just shoot? <laughs> like, what? He just shot. Oh, crap. He's on top. Oh, wow. This changes everything. Okay. Let's see what he does with it. Now, all of a sudden, we got, now we got a fight, right? We were expecting that. But the ref in there sees, footage on on whatever youtube or fight pass or whatever it is you see your footage of your fighters you look at the footage you're like oh this is the fight i'm anticipating 
and that fight throws you a curveball, you got to adapt, you got to overcome. And that's that's part of the game, and it's it's rough and it's tough. And sometimes you get in there, you're like, like, oh geez, I'm sorry, I'm so bad with names, Damon. Um, uh, the 200 feet of kids, uh, the fighter ref, but the, he he bl- blasted him, kept hitting him with a jab in the face, and then. Gosh darn it. I can't remember, but he got one of the kids got all bloody, got bladed up. And I kind of let and I had to let it go. I'm like, okay, because he's he's not responding to my 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 commands. Show me what to be in this. He's moving a little bit. Hey, I gotta defend, gotta defend. He's defending himself. And he gets cracked more, he gets racked back, gets racked again, gets racked again, gets racked again, then finally gets dropped. Well, like, yeah, this fight's over. And and then you know he did a good job as a referee. The guy looked at you and looks at you, kind of gives you that blank stare. You're like, oh, he's about to yell at me. What is the lady? He looks at me and he goes, Puts his face back down again. Oh yeah, yeah. He was ready to be out. I hit it right at the right time. The guy wanted to. He wanted out of the fight at the right time. I stepped in and stopped the fight. Like okay, job's done. I'm good. There's there's my hero shot. There's my hand raise. There's my hero shot. That guy looked at me. He's like, yep, I'm good. Thank you for doing that. Without saying anything, just give me that eyeball look. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. I did it right. That's what crazy. It's crazy you say that you mentioned the Vanessa Demopoulos fight. Like we, if not for, and this again, I talk about the thankless job of referee. We all freaked out with that comeback. One of the greatest comebacks we've seen. I mean, she got knocked loopy with that first shot. I mean, she got knocked down hard, comes back, gets the submission. If there's not a good referee in there, we don't yeah. see that. The comeback doesn't happen. The fight stopped. You know what I mean? Another referee might have looked at that and said, done, wave it off. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't get that. But what are we talking about? We're talking about the comeback. We don't talk about like the the referee who didn't stop it. You know that's why I right. said it's a thankless yeah, job. Yeah. We, we the only time you hear from us and the only time you hear from people is like, oh my god, why didn't you stop that fight when that guy or girl yeah. was getting killed in there? We don't. Yeah. We talk about oh my Vanessa pulled off, but if it wasn't for a quality referee and they're not stopping yeah. when she got knocked down, she would never had the chance to come back. Yeah, and that's and that's training, and that's that's everything. You know, putting that time in, and also I do have an advantage. I'm not gonna lie, I do have an advantage. I've been there, and I've been in that position. I've been hit by Kostyuk. I've been hit by by Matt Sarah, and been there and jump right back. I'm like, what the hell? Like, like still Josh Rosenthal. I still want to, you know, when I work with him, I'm like, dude, what are you, you know, back then, back the rules back then when you got flashed, you got flashed. The fight was over. That was the rules back then. They have now changed. You have to show me that you're out. Like you gotta, you gotta. Get that punch. You get dropped. You take one more punch. And okay, the fight's over. You didn't. Re- you didn't react to the second punch. This fight is done, right? But you take that first punch and then you start defending. You start grabbing. Yeah, you're on the ground. You, your brain did shut down, but you're not out of it. We gotta get this fight going. Because now it used to be, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars if you lose the fight swing between show money and win money, right? Now we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Show money, win money. Like you change a guy. You can change a guy's career by shutting by shutting it up too quick. You can change your guy's career by letting it go too long, right? You would financially, you change a person's whole ability to provide for their family by not being the referee you need to be when you're in there. And so I take it very seriously when I'm like, I am in there for fighter safety. I want to make sure these fighters are safe. It's funny when I when when I work with with my wife, she's my timekeeper, and she takes she takes timekeeping as seriously as I take refing because legitimately, you don't think about this stuff with timekeepers, but when we call time, and it's for a groin shot. If she doesn't keep an exact accurate time for that five minutes of, of timeout, that all of a sudden now at the end of the fight, this guy got four seconds longer, which caused the knockout to happen that shouldn't have ever happened because he didn't have those four seconds. The fight should have been called off earlier because the timekeeper wasn't paying attention to, to the time, right? The timekeeper is also responsive, like uh, it was a bang, bang Ludwig, 
when he had oh, that yeah. fast yeah. knockout, right? That's all timekeeper. The timekeeper doesn't hit the button, right? It doesn't stop the time. It continues. So a seven-second knockout becomes a 14-second knockout because they're not paying attention. That changes people's lives. That's performance of the night, right? That, yeah. That's a $50,000 swing. That's, that's, that's a that's, that is people being able to buy a house. That's a $50,000 swing. I can now buy a house because I have performance of the night. But if you didn't give me that opportunity. So like these, all these things go in and people are like, we don't even talk about timekeepers. We don't talk about the referees till they screw up. We don't talk about judges till they screw up. Who cares? It doesn't matter. But that's the thing. It does matter. And so we have to take that into our own. We have to have really thick skin and be like, one time it's going to say to us is when we screw up, we got to be ready for it. Right? Got to get a shoulder roll, <laughs> get the James Tony going because it's about to be bad. <laughs> you know, and that's how it is. And all of us go through it. All of us have had it. Herb Dean can tell you. Herzog can tell you, you know, Beltran can tell you all the time that they've like, oh yeah, I screwed up on that one. I gotta fix it. You know, we all we all go through it, but you gotta be able to get back up. Because it doesn't happen in the last fight of the night. It usually happens in your first or second fight you're roughing up that night. You still got two more to go. You have to shake it off and <laughs> be able to walk in and do it again. Yeah. It's funny you say about the timekeeper. I remember maybe you remember this. I don't want to toss anybody in particular under the bus here. I think it was in New Jersey. Uh, when Anthony Johnson fought Andre Arlovsky and the, the round went on for like an extra like 10 or 12 seconds. And I think if I remember correctly, it was in that 10 or 12 seconds when Johnson broke Arlovsky's jaw, if I remember correctly, it was like yeah. after the, the round was like five minutes and 12 seconds. And yeah. cause we all went back and timed it and we're like, Oh man, like this was bad. Like it was way over. Yeah. It was way over. It was like five twelve. I think it was, ridiculous. it was yeah. crazy, yeah. but that's what you're talking about. Like, again, we all talk about it because that's like a, a really egregious situation where a guy got hurt, but we never talk about a round stopping on time or, you know, a time, you know, when, when, when Jorge Masvidal sparks Ben Askren and gets a five second knockout, you know, we're right. not talking about that, but that's actually part of the timekeeper's job that she, that they, whoever that was, Time to five seconds. Yeah. Gotta hit that button. Gotta <laughs> shut that clock off. Gotta hit that button. You know, and 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 the thing is, is like you talk about uh um I won't I won't name names, but somebody hit me up on uh, uh text me the other day. It was like California, California commission's stupid, it's the dumbest commission in the country. Why? Half of them are just fans and half of them are just fans of MMA, and the other half don't even know anything, don't even know anything about MMA. I'm like, well, that that's a little weird because everybody's like a blue belt or higher in jujitsu or they're amateur boxers or they're amateur wrestlers that have all competed at a high level. And then when they got older, they jumped into the commission. So all of us are understand the sport of MMA. And yeah, some of the inspectors and some of the guys come from boxing, but like our inspectors, I mean, crap, we have like three Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champs, our inspectors and three former boxing world champs, our inspectors. You're like, what, what don't you like about our commission? Like, what's the problem with the commission? I don't understand it. Like, it doesn't, this doesn't explain to me, like, how they're, how they're stupid, how they're silly. The problem is they know more about the sport than this particular individual does, right? And so that yeah. individual is like, they're stupid, they're dumb, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, no, but they do. The problem is, is that you have a per- perceived perception of how the sport is actually going on. And then we talked about this before, where most people don't know the rules, the regulations of what goes on, of how it actually is governed. And so when you start talking about governing people and talking about this is what has to happen with the inspector, this thing and that thing, people get really upset if they you know, if they think it's not within their pre-perceived, you know, notion of how this stuff should work. They're on some other on a, some other space, right? You're like, well, no, but it, how, actually, what it should be is how this should be done is this way. This is how it's supposed to be done. No, it's not. It's not supposed to be done. It's not. It's not to do it in this jurisdiction or in this jurisdiction. Well, I'm just telling you, this is how we do it in California, and California is the best jurisdiction in MMA and boxing because we have the most events. <laughs> like that's just what it is. We don't tell you. You know, uh, uh, I will say this, and Andy Foster's, Andy Foster's uh, uh, comeuppance, 
he does go to other jurisdictions to talk to the other commissioners and executive officers to be around them. But when there's a big show in town, they're all here. They're all coming here to talk to us, right? They're not, they're not sitting back in their jurisdictions, not hanging out with us. They're here talking with us. They're here talking to Andy. What about this? What about that? What do you feel about this thing? What about that thing? Now, Andy is friends with a lot of these guys. So they're here catching up and catching up family life and how the kids and what's going on with this thing and that thing. But we're also talking about rules and regulations and you're figuring out new stuff. And in California, because of the way Andy runs it, if he decided today and he decides to text me right now on my phone to tell me this is a new regulation that we are doing, it is no longer two hands down. This is how the, the, the one hand came in California. It is no longer two hands down for a down opponent. It's not one hand. And we are not doing just one hand, it has to have weight bearing. So for us to understand weight bearing has to be flat or has to be a fist. That's the only way we know that you have weight on that hand is flat or fist. So that Spider-Man pose is not a down opponent. We need to have you flat or fist. We got that text message on a Sunday morning after an event where something happened. I didn't work the events. It was a smaller show. So we had that event and decided to change the rules. The next weekend, it was a rule in the California commission. The next weekend, it didn't take six months, didn't take nine months, didn't have to get approved. Andy made it happen. So that's why California is the best because we can flow with what's going on and we can make rules change that makes sense to everybody. And then the year later, it became part of the ABC Council. But we aren't even doing it. We're already doing it. Then it became a rule later, right? But California already did it. Why? Because we saw it was a problem. We saw it, was, it had to be issued. So everyone comes into Cali to talk to Andy because this is, when you say the gold standard, he really is the gold standard. The best commission for MMA and boxing is California because we have the most events. Like, with COVID, with all this stuff, like people forget, De La Hoya runs Wednesday night, and I think it's Wednesday night and Friday night. Every week, 52 weeks a year, he runs boxing events, Wednesday and Friday nights. Every, every week, they're all in California. So it's like the commission here gets to work boxing all the time. MMA, there is between Sacramento and San Francisco, all the way down to San Diego, there is probably four or five MMA events every Friday, Saturday night throughout the state. Every single weekend, 52 weeks a week. Every weekend, there's something going on. We just have the most amount. You know, that this is the reason why. When you when you go to like, you know, I don't want to, like Wyoming or Tennessee or Montana, they have four fights a year. How much experience can those guys get? Yeah. The refs, the judges, the inspectors. How much experience can you get? You can't, you have no reps. You don't have no reps. In ours, we get a shit ton of reps. A shit ton of reps. All the time we get reps. It's like, it's incredible, which is why it's the gold standard. That's why California is the, you know, the best commission when it comes to that kind of stuff because of it. And then, you know, and that's why when New York started their commission, they reached out to Andy. Like, how do we, how do we set our commission up correctly? And that's why Tana, Todd Anderson, the referee, is now the head of MMA for the state of, for the state of uh, New York. He moved from Toronto. He now lives in New York City, and he now runs the MMA portion of New York because it's getting so big down there. And they're going to rival. They're going to rival New York. The state of New York is going to rival the state of California. The amount of MMA events that are thrown every year, like that's going to be, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun, right? Seeing where it goes. Because people think New York, what do they always think? Madison Square Garden. Dude, yeah. you, forgot about, you forgot about Syracuse, Albany, Ithaca, <laughs> Buffalo, Rochester. Like, these are other cities that throw fights all the time. All the time. There's a 10th planet in Rochester, New York. You don't think that those guys don't throw MMA fights up there, right? There's, there's a 10th, I think there's a, a, a Diaz Brothers affiliate in Buffalo that they always, there's always events up there. So this is like going to be great year for MMA, a great year for MMA. Now that things are starting to loosen up a little bit and things are starting to get swear about COVID. Like it's going to be a great year for MMA. There's going to be a lot of fights, a lot of, a lot of minor leagues. And I guarantee you go to the local shows. 
because there's gonna be somebody in that local show that you're gonna see in two years will be fighting on the big show for a title fight. And be like, oh, I've watched this guy since he was a little kid and you know, in, in Albany, New York. I saw him when he was 18 years old. Look at him now, he's 24 and he's getting ready to fight for the title. I watched him his whole career. Like, yeah, that, that's how it works. That's how it goes. Yeah, it's funny you say that. One of the one of the greatest lessons that that Ryan ever taught me. And I always pass along whenever people reach out to me and say, how do I get into MMA journalism? How do I start you know, doing this? And I always tell people, you know, two keys. I say, one, don't expect to make any money right away because in the entire MMA journalist business, there's maybe 20 to 25 of us that are full-time journalists. Like this is all yeah. we do. Uh, for one, I said, for two, go to local shows because that's where you're going to meet fighters. That's how I met Kenny Florian years ago, yeah. years ago. I met yeah. him because he was coming. That's how I met I almost, I would say half the people I met, I met from Joseph Benavidez, great example, met him on a regional show, and then he got called up to fight Kid Yamamoto. Now, the fight got canceled, but I had interviewed him. Nobody had ever interviewed him. He not. I don't think he had done really interviews. I met Gina Carano through that. Gina Carano was having a fight in K1, yeah. had one fight, I think, on her record, never, I, I, I'm almost positive she had never done an interview before. And she's yeah. like, why are you interviewing me? And so we did an interview and then, you know, we just, you know, I still to this day talk to Gina occasionally, but that's, I tell people all the time, start at the local level, start at the regional level, because the guy or the girl who is the opening fight on the prelims or the opening fight on a 14 fight card, there's a good chance a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, they're going to become Kamara Usman. Yeah. They're going to become, yeah. you know, Francis Ngannou. They're going to be like, I saw Misha Tate fight in hook and shoot back in the day in Evansville, Indiana. You know what I mean? Like that's how, that's how you, that's how you find me. Like at the time I had no idea who Misha Tate was. I didn't know. Like Misha Tate was her first fight. I had no idea who she was. Yeah. Now, you know, everybody knows Misha Tate. That's how you get in. That's how you meet people. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Everybody wants to go cover Major League Baseball, but the best reporters are the ones that started out at rookie ball. Like, where'd you, how'd you follow this guy? Dude, I've been following Valerie Gamero since he was on rookie ball. What? Rookie ball? Yeah, he might be. He went rookie ball, double A, triple A, then made the bigs and became fucking, became the guy we all know. Like, that's yeah. how it started. And I followed him the whole time, the whole way through. Like, yeah, but how'd you get moved up? Because I had his phone number. <laughs> I was able to get in touch with him. Nobody else is able to get in touch with them. Hey, uh, I know you. Can you give me his number? Nope. Well, I'll give him his number. You want the interview? I do the interview. Okay. I guess you're coming up to the big show. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm coming up to the big show. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Uh, Trick, I don't want to tie you up anymore, man. I know you, you said you're getting ready to make dinner, and here I am uh, keeping you on the podcast forever. I tell you what, though. Uh, you know, we, we did, you know, back in the day, we co-hosted shows. We did, you know, co-hosting, pop on with MMA Weekly with Sound Off and all these different things. And, of course, you did all kinds of different things. You're still doing things. Uh, Got to make this a more regular occurrence. I know you're an incredibly okay. busy guy, but like when I hit you up, I was just like, you know, it's kind of crazy that we don't talk and have you on the show more. So uh, expect well, me to bug you. Expect, expect me to bug you more often because. Yeah, uh, because no problem. Yeah. You, when I'm around, I'm around. Like, you know, and even if I'm in Hawaii, it's, you know, six hours difference from you. You're still in Pennsylvania, right? Ohio. 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 Okay. Same, yeah. same. I was, crappy. I was, I did live in Pennsylvania. Yes. I did live in Pittsburgh for a long time. Same crappy state. Know. doesn't matter. Ohio, Pittsburgh, <laughs> I'm kidding people. I'm kidding. My dad's in Cleveland. Back off. Don't pick on me. Um, so they're, they're, when I'm around, I'm around. You know, when I have time, I have time. It's not a problem. Like it's really not. Uh, 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 the biggest issue is like those, those, and I have to tell everybody this, this caveat right now, as of right now, I am free. And then tomorrow, like, Hey dude, I'm sorry. I told you I'm going to be there for you on Friday. 
I got picked up. I don't know what time I'm getting wrapped. If you're wrapping time, I'll be there. If not, then we'll do it Saturday morning. Okay, we'll do it Saturday morning. But if it's like, you know, like uh, a lot of people have like the live radio show, yeah, that, you know, they have a certain terrestrial at the certain times, I'm like, can't do it. It's like, I can't guarantee I'll be there. I, I cannot guarantee I'll be there. You know, Super Bowl's coming to LA and I got I got a couple of things I got to do for some radio guys and I all of a sudden may not be here. I might be in, in uh, well, I know for sure. Uh, when is Super Bowl? The 13th? Uh, February 13th, I believe. The, uh... So I know for sure that I'm in Sacramento at 12th refing and I might have to be in Hawaii still. Uh, working on Magnum PI, so I might so I might not be able to do the TV, the, the the radio show that I was supposed to do that they're trying to promote me on. I keep telling them don't promote me because there's no guarantee I can be there. Like, I can't really help. I really can't. I mean, if you promote if you want, but then when I don't show, you know, my five fans will be mad. well uh trig i appreciate you taking the time as always man like i said we'll stay in better touch uh congrats on all the work man like i said i geeked out when i saw you on book of boba fett uh always root for my friends i always root for my friend's success when i saw that i fully geeked out i'm not gonna lie uh and uh you know keep yeah keep keep up the great work and uh yeah let's catch up again soon all right absolutely thanks i appreciate it so much bud all right talk to you soon buddy and there you go. That is another edition of the fighter versus the writer in the books. Want to say a big thank you, of course, to the great Frank Trigg for joining me on the show this week. Uh, make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Google podcasts, and of course, over on MMAfighting.com. And we will see you next week for another edition of the fighter versus the writer. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you then. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.